Welcome to Inside the Rope, the podcast where we speak to the leading minds in wealth management. I'm your host, David Clark, and in today's episode, I'm speaking with Justin Boris, the founder and portfolio manager of IBEX, a fund manager that has a strategy that focuses on investing in Israel. In fact, the fund currently has 16 public companies and 15 private companies, which offers a unique hybrid way of accessing investment companies in Israel to invest into. The strategy has actually, since 2012, has performed extremely well, producing a compound annual return of 26% per annum. Regular listeners to the show will recognize Justin and the strategy and realize that we spoke with him nearly a year ago. In fact, in episode three, if you want to go back and listen to the strategy, what it's seeking to do and how it goes about doing it, which is really the underlying growth theme of startups coming out of Israel, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to episode three. Now, of course, I remind people that our conversations here are not meant to and don't constitute financial advice, and I'd encourage you to listen to the disclaimer at the end. Please remember to provide feedback and share the podcast and like it. Please email me at david.clark at codacapital.com. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, Justin, welcome back to Inside the Road. Thanks for having me once again. Yeah, it's a year, I think, or so since we first spoke to you and introduced the IBEX fund to uh, our, our listeners um, and actually started using it for investors. Um, perhaps you could start by giving us a quick recap for some of the listeners that may, have, may not have had time to listen to that first podcast we did about a year ago about IBEX yourself and the fund and what it's seeking to do. Sure. IBEX is a firm... Uh, we're investing in very niche differentiated strategies. So our whole thesis is the traditional hedge fund and mutual fund business is toast. Uh, We see it anecdotally in the States where uh, they own the same stocks as the index funds. They charge 20 times the fees. Almost by definition, the performance is going to be awful. We think the only way for sustained outperformance is to do something very different Uh, So our core fund is our Israel fund. We're a one-stop shop for Israel. We're just looking for the best 20, 25 companies Israel has to offer, whether it's a startup on the private side, a pre-IPO company uh, on the private side, or a Tel Aviv, or even AIM, or Singapore, or Australian-listed public company. As long as it's Israeli, we want the opportunity to uh, to invest in it. Uh, So we've been in business for about six and a half years, and uh, we have a great track record. And frankly, we're more excited about the next six and a half years because we think the opportunity in Israel has only gotten better. So I think for most people, first pass, the geopolitical or instability and potential for war in that region is a real turnoff. Can you maybe talk just a little bit before we dive into the detail about that sort of risk and how you manage it or perceive it? Yeah, the 800-pound the gorilla uh, in Israel is the perceived geopolitical risk. Um, it certainly keeps a lot of uh, investors that would otherwise consider Israel, keeps them away. And of course, when we were putting our life savings in this fund, the first thing we looked at is the geopolitical risk because it's great if you're making nice returns, but if you lose it all, the first war or, or conflict, uh, what's the point of the whole thing? So we looked going back about 35, 40 years, every conflict and war in Israel. 
And actually, in the 30 days leading up to that war or conflict, the average drop in the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange is about 4%, almost nothing. And the average gain one year after that war or conflict is about 27%. And two years later, the average gain is about 48%. And in no case, no scenario, one or two years after that war or conflict, was the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange down. So while the perceived geopolitical risk keeps so many investors away from Israel, it's actually all but priced into the market. Uh, in fact, we lived through the Gaza war a few years ago, and we'd have investors calling us up, oh my god, how, how bad is it? Are we down 20, 30, 50%? And we told them, actually, it's one of our strongest months, and the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange uh, was up as well. Um, so we've lived that firsthand. And actually, the geopolitical situation is what fuels the innovation in the first place. Uh, think of how much more innovative the United States was during the Cold War when we invented technologies like GPS or uh, even the internet was developed during the Cold War. Uh, countries that are in a constant state of threat tend to be very innovative and that's where Israel finds itself. Necessity is the uh, mother of all invention as they say. It's some of the agriculture breakthroughs and technologies that um, Israel's been forced to make given its position and inability to source fresh produce from its neighbors has now seen it lead that area, I believe. So what, what has changed or what, what's the update from, from last year? Of course, returns have been very good. In an Australian dollar sense, um, the funds provided a compound annual growth rate since 2012 of uh, around 26 per annum, which is you know, very lofty and, and fantastic. But, but what, what's the update for people who um, listen to the podcast you know, near on 12 months ago. Yeah, I, I think the Israel opportunity has only gotten better. When you look at the private companies, there's about 1,500 new Israeli companies starting every single year, and only a tiny fraction of those companies are getting any kind of funding. So you're still finding whatever company you want at whatever terms you want for the most part. Uh, maybe there's 20 or 25 VCs in all of Israel that could lead a proper Series A round. There should be 200. Compare that to Silicon Valley where there's thousands of VCs uh, chasing very few deals. And on the public side, uh, like most international markets, uh, the Israeli stocks, a lot of Israeli stocks have been annihilated down 20, 30, 40, 50%. And we're seeing valuations on the publicly listed stock side as compelling as we've ever seen in our six and a half years. Uh, so we feel great about things. Even though Israel is the best performing stock market in the world over 15 years, except for uh, just a couple of countries, PEs are near historic lows. So Israel has really had a tough time the last three, four years. Um, but we expect that to uh, change here. Uh, who knows? the day or the month or the quarter it does. Uh, but when it does, I think there's multiples that could be made on the publicly listed side as well. So with a strategy that includes about 16 public companies and, and 15 private companies, it sounds and feels like you might be shaping up for a 2019 that could see both of those working, whereas you've had some years where um, you know the, the private market investments have been strong and the public not so, or vice versa. Exactly. So if you look at 2017, almost all of our returns were uh, from the publicly listed side and we got no help from the private side. And 2018 was really the inverse of that. We've had uh, 
two exits on the private side. Hopefully, we're going to have a third before the end of the year. And we've gotten hit pretty hard on the public side. So all of our returns have really been from the private side. Uh, but when we put up a big year, a 30, 40, 50, 60% year, we have both sides working in conjunction. It seems like it should happen more often, but it's setting up for 2019 where we could have two or three private companies reach an exit. And also we're, we're entering a period where the publicly listed side is at such low valuations, it seems like there's nowhere for them to go but up. So if we got both sides of the book working in conjunction, um, we're really excited about uh, where we could be in 12 months from now. What do you see as the big themes, uh, investment themes coming out of Israel that you've seen emerge over the last year and going forward? Yeah, so we continue to believe driverless cars are going to be the biggest technological innovation of our lifetimes, including the internet, actually including uh, the first automobile. It's huge. Intel has called it a $7 trillion opportunity. And driverless car technology is really coming from two places, Silicon Valley and Israel. So we're seeing dozens of really compelling driverless car technology companies coming from Israel. Israel is really good not at manufacturing cars, but manufacturing the guts of the driverless car, whether it's the cybersecurity or the software or the components or the chipsets. And another theme that's really emerging is drone technology. Uh, 60 to 70% of drone technology is coming from Israel, and drones are just starting to be commercialized uh, for um, businesses and getting into a place where more businesses are going to be using them on a daily basis. So you're talking about Domino's delivering pizzas using drones and Amazon or people like that, or are you talking yeah, about other applications? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's more of a, a sexy application, but I think a less sexy but a important application is uh, fixing your uh, windmill with a drone as opposed to sending a worker up 500 feet and you know yeah. taking all that risk with that. I saw a recent uh, an article where an engineering group that's paid to actually in in New South Wales they monitor all of the the bridges and their job is to go around and make sure they're all structurally sound and they're now doing those all by drones. Another application is they've just announced for this summer coming up in in Australia, which is topical given uh, um, a recent shark attack, that they're using drones, a fleet of drones to patrol beaches for sharks. So we're starting to see some application here. I, I haven't heard that, but uh, that's, a, that's a good application. That's a handy one if you're going to go for a swim tomorrow morning. Here. Yes, we, we don't have a lot of shark attacks in Colorado, but uh, it's good to be good, good that somewhere is putting a drone to good work. Um, but also then Israel is also um, the traditional spaces where Israel is about 20 to 25% of all cybersecurity is coming from Israel. So they're really a superpower when it comes to cybersecurity. With a population of, what, a one-hundredth of the world's population or yes, somewhere around it's, that? Yes, it's about 1%. So they're, they're swinging way half. above their weight on that. They, they are, and I think we're in the, the very early stages of cybersecurity. Um, think about it. Nobody's, to my knowledge, has died from a hacking incident yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we're going to get to a point where hacking is going to become more and more important. Think about driverless cars. If your hacker hacks into your car and drives you off the side of the road into a cliff or something like that. So cybersecurity is only getting more important. And uh, Israel is really a superpower when it comes to that. So I think autonomous uh, vehicles and driverless technology, drone technology, 
in cybersecurity or continue to be industries. Obviously, uh, Israel is a world superpower when it comes to desalinization, agriculture, water technology, uh, pharmaceuticals, medical devices. Uh, so you see the traditional themes still being strong there uh, with a few uh, new ones emerging as well. So Justin, equity markets have been very volatile um, you know, around the end of the third quarter of this calendar year, uh, 2018. Are you worried about Israel uh, being hit on the negative side? Not, not really. I mean, Israel's already taken on the chin where the top three or four names have done okay. Uh, but if you dig underneath that surface of the few hundred mid-cap and small-cap companies, a lot of them are down 20, 30, 40, 50 percent. Uh, Israel has shown itself to be very resilient. It was one of the first countries uh, to emerge from the 2008 recession. Already PEs are at a, a very low level. Um, the correlation to the U.S. markets in particular is very low. Uh, so we actually look at it as an opportunity. If you're investing in the U.S. markets at 18 times earnings on the S&P 500 uh, with Donald Trump threatening a Cold War uh, with China and the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, that seems like a very dangerous place to, or environment to be investing in. Uh, but if you're investing in Israel at a fraction of the earnings multiple, uh, it's very fairly insulated and we'd much rather be investing in Israel today uh, relative to other markets like the U.S. Justin, what do you think the investment landscape looks like in Israel in, say, five years' time? Yeah, so if you think about Israel, only 15 or 20 years ago, there was no innovation hub. There was no startup nation. Look how far Israel has come in just 15 or 20 years. Uh, since 2004, 21 multinationals have set up R&D centers every year since 2004. Uh, hundreds of companies are being acquired by U.S. and European multinationals every single year. Israel, at last count, had over $15 billion uh, valuations for uh, private companies. I think if you fast forward 5, 10, 15 years, people are going to be amazed how far Israel is going to come. You're going to have dozens of billion-dollar-plus exits you're going to have hundreds of companies acquired for north of $100 million. Um, on the public side, I think there is the, the possibility for, for the public markets to be up multiples from where they are today. Um, so I think people are going to look back in 10 or 15 years and say, how did I miss it? You look at a country like India, where just about 10 years ago the index was about 3,000. I think it finished last year at about 30,000. So you get a tenfold increase in just the index. I think Israel could have that type of a run. And to think that this didn't even exist 10 or 15 years uh, ago, um, I think you're going to have many multi-billion dollar exits in Israel in, in the next decade. Fantastic. Sounds like very exciting times. Justin, thanks for joining us Inside the Road. It's always great to be here. Thanks so much, David. Enjoy your travels and safe trip home. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Inside the Rope with David Clark. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with David by visiting codacapital.com.
Any views expressed in this recording represent the personal opinions of the speaker and do not represent the view of any other party. If this recording contains reference to any financial products, that reference does not constitute advice or recommendation and may not be relied upon. Listeners in Australia are encouraged to visit www.moneysmart.gov.au to obtain information regarding financial advice and investments.